Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. Hello, everybody. Dr. Jen Fram here. How are you this week? For those of you who celebrated Easter, did you have a lovely Easter? Was there a little bit too much chocolate, like was in my Easter? Um, certainly here in Melbourne, we had some beautiful weather yesterday. So I'm, I'm hoping wherever you are, you managed to have some lovely weather and a decent break from everything that has been going on. Um, I think uh, what I wanted to do this week was have a little bit of a chat about the concept of stillness and the implications for us both in organisations in terms of what comes next, but also perhaps personally. Um, before I do, just a reminder, I'm trying something a little bit new with the podcasts and have set up a Patreon account for those people who want to be patrons and sponsor these podcasts in a way, I guess. It's you know a way of supporting people with content creation. Um, if that interests you, I'll put the Patreon link in the show notes, um, but you can head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com uh, and look for Dr. Jen Fram and you can see what that's all going on about. So let's get back to this concept of stillness. Um, we're now about, what are we, four, four weeks into the corporate world shutdown, remote working, self-isolation, certainly here in Australia, um, perhaps a little bit longer in the UK, um, all owing to the pandemic. And it's it's kind of what I'm finding really interesting at the moment, and I've got to say, you can help me out with this, I'm getting extremely frustrated that the only adjective I keep finding is interesting um, because I keep seeing things and going, wow, this is so interesting, like this, the system effects and the, the complexity and oh, this is so interesting. And I, I keep going straight into my headspace and, you know, intellectualising it all, which um, is useful to a point. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind a different adjective. So if you can... Uh, Think of a couple more adjectives for me and tweet me with those or hit me up on LinkedIn or email me. I don't mind. I would be really grateful for that. Um, but, yes, one of the things that I think is really interesting at the moment is the notion of collective shifts uh, in, I guess, society. Now, it's become deeply unpopular to speak of the Kubler-Ross stages of grief and loss in the change world um, because it presumes that everybody equates change to death and that change is always problematic and that the emotional states are linear and yet none of that actually is. Um, however, the dramatic forced change that people have gone through with COVID-19 would actually seem to fit this model. Personally, I'm one of the people who still continue to use the model where um, where, where I think it's appropriate. And for me, where I think it's appropriate to use the Kubler-Ross curve is where there is clear signs that there will be loss associated to it, um, to the change. So as a diversion, last week we talked a little bit about research. One of your um, tests of what makes for good research is particularly in the qualitative space, right, so not so much the quantitative but the qualitative, is 
you ask the question, are these findings transferable to another domain? And so if we think about the findings from Kubler-Ross, where the research was done in context of, of families of people who were dying, um, and what we're saying is, can we transfer these findings into the context of organisational change? And I would suggest that when you're faced with an organisational change that incurs loss, um, then actually, yeah, you can actually see people go through denial and shock and bargaining um, and they'll settle in the valley of despair for some time before moving up to adaptation and, and you know, and then innovating. Um, so I, I think it actually is a model that's applying quite well at the moment and, again, recognising that it is not a linear progression. Um, and we have seen that people, you know, we have, we have clearly seen that there are big groups of people that have fallen into this valley of despair and are really quite traumatised by what is happening. Some have made their way through to adapting. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago in terms of some of the really cool stuff we're seeing in the speed of change. But I think over the last week, what I've been seeing is a real collective shift in consciousness to recognise the space of stillness. And for many, it's really unnerving. Um, for some, it's really liberating. It's kind of like, you know, I was saying to one friend, it's, it's like we finally have permission to stop, you know, stop the hustle, stop the scheduling, stop the racing from one place to another and just be still or find a hobby. Hands up if you have been doing your pandemic baking at the moment. You know, I believe self-raising flour is the latest thing that we can't find in the shops because when faced with stillness, many people have gone out to find a hobby. Um, and I think that's because, you know, people have recognised that with stillness often comes boredom and we use activity as a way of not being bored because with boredom, Sometimes emotions and thoughts and feelings, they tend to leak out of us. It's like they just seep out. Um, and all of a sudden you're there and you're going, oh, that's a really uncomfortable feeling. I haven't, I haven't experienced you for some time because I've been too busy to experience you before. Um, now, sometimes you have epiphanies leak out of you, right, which is pretty cool for many people. Um, but by and large, for many people who have been uh, very, very good at being busy and, you know, we've read about the cult of busy and why that's a bad thing, often it's about suppressing um, emotions and thoughts that just are a little bit uncomfortable to deal with. And so anyone who has done the work, you know, the inner work on stillness, um, knows that this is a really challenging time. And, and so what I'm really mindful of is because of the pandemic and because of the self-isolation, we've got whole populations being forced to do the inner work on stillness at the moment. Um, and that's not necessarily, you know, a fun time for me. You know, as someone who is relatively high energy, um, and to borrow uh, Brené Brown's term, over-functioning. Um, so I over-function when I'm in anxiety. And I think I might have told you that, well, perhaps I didn't know the term at the time, but in the very first podcast episode where I said we're coming back in a weekly um, a schedule, 
I said, you know, I was actually feeling quite energised by all of this and feeling quite creative. Well, now having listened to Brené Brown's podcast, I understand that sadly uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. That's me working through my anxiety by over-functioning. Um, but having said that, I have spent a fair bit of time over the last couple of years learning to sit in stillness, um, to sit in a state of equanimity, um, and while it's been really, really difficult because, you know, that does mean dealing with a lot of the, the inner stuff that comes out, I'm actually at the point now where I really love it and I relish it and I covet it. And the main thing that's been dismaying me at the moment is that I've needed a pandemic to legitimise sitting and being still again. There's somewhere along the lines, you know, somewhere along the path I'd gotten back into busy, busy, busy. There's a delightful quote um, that some of you will be familiar with and um, it's one of those quotes which who nobody knows who actually said it um, and sometimes it's attributed to Viktor Frankl, sometimes it's attributed to Stephen Covey. But the quote is, between stimulus and response there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. I think if we can get comfortable with the stillness, we can see a space to choose what comes next for us. Um, and I'm aware, I'm aware that I do look at these things with a bit of a Pollyanna lens, right? So I am optimistic by nature and, you know, that's my coping mechanism is, is what is the best that we can make of this. And so for me, I'm like, well, okay, if we can just get a little bit used to this stillness, we've actually bought ourselves some time to think and reflect on what do we want our organisations to be? What do we want our workplaces to be? Um, who do we want to be personally, you know, professionally, personally, all those kind of things. So, and of course, that, that quote also makes me think about how much stillness do we offer employees in their adoption of change? Um, perhaps not so much. So last week I blogged on what I think the future of work is from an organisational change perspective and I saw that there were, there were four different pathways that we could take. And then if we take advantage of this stillness, of this pause, we have opportunities to reintegrate when we come through this. So reintegration for me looks like how do we take the best of what we experienced during the working from home during the pandemic, um, the self-isolation time, the changes that we made to adapt and integrate them to the best that we had in our organisational life beforehand? It's kind of a hybrid model. And I think there'll be challenges with this because it will be confusing and it will be contested over what was the best and what should we let behind. So it's actually going to be quite a negotiation as an organisational change. Um, I think personally, if you think about your family units um, and your social units, you've got the same option with this to go, actually, what of this do we want to retain? Um, you know, did we introduce a few new rituals in our families to, you know, all of a sudden we've got everybody reaching out to each other um, with Zoom and house party and all these kind of things. You know, do we actually want to keep a little bit of that? 
Um, one of my friends shared the other night uh, they introduced a new activity for the family who are all in four different states where they shared one particular recipe and they all had to cook that recipe and then they were going to gather on Skype or Zoom to eat that dinner as a family and discuss the cooking of the meal. And I just thought that was a gorgeous idea. And I, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be such a shame if you never did that again? You know, surely you don't need a pandemic to do that idea. It was brilliant. Um, so that's reintegration. Renewing. Renewing is the next path I think we have available to us. And so for some organisations we'll see it's an opportunity to renew. So whether that be start from scratch or whether it be nurture the growth of the new organisation, um, but perhaps with a different pattern of operation. I think the differentiator for me with renewal and reintegration is that renewal brings with it a tempering of aspiration and, and a softer kind of way of being. Um, you know, personally, renewal might be about committing to compassion and committing to self-care and, and those kind of concepts that we're currently using a bit as a medicinal practice, but maybe it actually becomes our sustainable practice going forward. I think for some organisations, um, we will see a period of revolt. And the reason why I say revolt is that what I can see happening is that some organisations, the leadership, the governance will just want to return to the way things were prior to the pandemic and the, you know, the working from home period and the changes that the organisations had to make to accommodate everything that was changing. And I suspect that sometimes we're going to find organisations where the employees revolt. They're just not prepared to go back to the organisation that was before and that will either look like you will lose your talent, they will move to other organisations, or you will have this extended period of, you know, managers thumping desks about resistance to change and, you know, why are these people um, not going back to the way we were and this is the way we've always done it. It's going to be really, really uncomfortable. Um, equally, I think we'll see this in the personal space. Um, and negotiate, I, I still think of it as a negotiation, that I think if, if you identify, you know, perhaps if your community group wants to return to a particular way of being and you're going, actually, no, it's just not for me, then maybe there'll be a period of exiting um, and breaking up with communities to be able to find communities where you can actually be who you want to be. The fourth R is reinvention. So I think... There will be businesses who now find that the now, what we've now gone through, has left their products and services obsolete. Other companies have run out of the blocks. They've come up with disruptive technologies, products and services. Um, they've been opportun opportunistic. And so those other businesses who were not now have to reinvent themselves. But they're only going to be able to do that if they've got the financial and the spiritual resources to do that, they've got the energy to do it. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a bit tricky because you're going to need a level of authenticity. It will make no sense at all if you reinvent yourself in a space where you've got no credibility at all. Um, and I think personally, this one's kind of cool, right? Because this, I think, and we're starting to see it, people 
are saying, I've got no work on at the moment, um, you know, I'm having to spend a lot more time at home with the kids or with my partner. And it's actually making me think, is this the type of role that I want to do going forward? And is there another role or a career or an industry that I've always hankered, you know, really been keen to be part of? And maybe this is the time when we do a little bit of extra study or um, skills development or something to build your credibility to be able to make that reinvention. I think with all four of those options, so uh, renewal, um, reintegrating, revolting, reinventing, I can't highlight enough how critical it is going forward. You're going to have to have people with really strong organisational psychology backgrounds, um, counselling, coaching skills, and really high emotional intelligence by your side. And that's because many of the people moving into these new changed organisations will be doing it from a traumatised state. Some will be experiencing survivor guilt, right, so that, that um, the uncomfortable emotions you have when you actually didn't suffer but you know other people did. And, you know, some will be surging ahead because they've been made more buoyant by what's known as post-traumatic growth. We might talk about that in another podcast. Um, you know, if we thought that organisational change, if we thought that personal change was complex and messy and difficult, it's gotten exponentially more challenging. So that's my thoughts on stillness and what's on the path ahead for us. Um, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts. Do you think there's other pathways that we can look at? And bonus points if you can present them with a verb or a noun starting with R, that would be most important. Um, but seriously, reach out to me by LinkedIn, uh, email, uh, Twitter, um, carrier pigeon. I don't mind. Tell me. Tell me what you think we have as a path forward. Um, equally, if you've got any thoughts on what you want me to cover in the future podcasts, please drop me a line. You know, how can I support you? Just, just let me know. For those that are looking to skill up um, over this period of time, we're currently looking at the next cohort of the Agile Change Leadership Institute, the, uh, the certificate program that will be kicking off on the first Monday of May. And the other course that I run, the Busting Silos e-course on how to be better at collaboration, that's also looking at a the next intake will be in the first week of May. So if you're interested in either of those, drop me a line, let me know, and I can give you more information. But in the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you enjoy just a little bit of stillness. See you next time. You've been listening to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 